Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. It is the day before the second signing period, shaping up to be a pretty quiet one for Nebraska, as it has been since Scott Frost and his coaches have arrived, and really since the switch, which coincided in that same cycle. Nebraska had uh, a pretty interesting 2019 second signing day for the 2018 class when Maurice Washington, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, believe Braxton Clark was part of that one, Casey Rogers, uh, a number of guys signed that year, but that was also part of only having some of your class put together and a new coach coming in just weeks before the end of the first signing period. So this will line up more like it has been the last couple of years. Uh, should be pretty quiet and expecting the announcement of Wyndon Hohuli as a, as a signee with Nebraska. And beyond that, we'll see if there's any other excitement that could happen there's not a lot of names out there Avante Dickerson being one Devon Townley being another but right now it feels like those guys are looking uh, elsewhere right at this second but there's always some late drama we'll see how it plays out certainly and and I do kind of want to get the thoughts of of uh, Michael Brunts who's covered Signing day for Husker 24-7 going back to 2012, the 2012 cycle at the very least. Are you, how do you feel about the new sort of shift where all of the, the pomp and circumstances in December and it's pretty ho-hum in February? Yeah, it's interesting. It, it seems like it's kind of this, you know, if you've had a coaching change, um, you know, you're, you're probably setting up for a little bit more action in February. The occasional um, you know, late decision that, that might, uh, you know, a guy that, that didn't sign in December or, um, you know, you, you had the, the stuff happen at Tennessee, I guess, late too. But, you know, at least from Nebraska's point of view, and it seems like really from a lot of the, the Big Ten West, there's just not much drama, um, you know, in that, that second signing period. And I, I do wonder too, we kind of talked about this beforehand. I mean, you said it's kind of trending to where it's going to be a really small number of guys that are, you know, going to continue to sign in February. I wonder if that gets even smaller too, as you know, the, the transfer portal fills up and, you know, schools kind of decide, you know, that they want to keep a couple in their pocket for portal or whatever in the spring. I mean, I, I think that's kind of where things are trending is it's just going to be, you know, a lot more of the, the action is going to be in December. So schools can kind of wrap things up and know things where things stand going into the spring. I think you're, you're onto something there. I think another proliferation of why you're seeing early signatures is one, the cycle gets expanded. So you have guys that commit sooner. They're part of this process sooner. They want it to end sooner. So you have that. And then there's just an explosion of early enrollees and Nebraska is part of that as well. BC, where you just have a lot of guys who want to get to campus sooner and they're going to sign in December because they're going to enroll in January. Yeah, I think I think guys feel like they they need to meet their new team and be part of that winter conditioning struggle uh, to better their chances of seeing the field early. And that's probably accurate, to be honest. And Zach Duvall hasn't done a lot of media things, but I do remember one time he did one and he talked about how veteran players really respect you know, the, and they, there's a chemistry with those guys who uh, went through all, all those early morning wake-ups with them in January and February when it was cold outside and they did all these things and they had to, you know, 
puking a waste basket over off the side. And I mean, all that stuff matters. They, that they, they took part in that. And so by the time you get to summer, you don't have to get to know those guys. So it makes sense that a lot of these high schoolers who have put so much into their craft since they're like 10 years old in a lot of cases are saying at this point, I want to give myself every opportunity to stand out early. And uh, there you have it. So, I mean, what's Nebraska got a dozen guys who enrolled early or something like that. So, um, I mean, that's, that's more than half the class. And, you know, I think Brunts is right. I think there's sort of this merger now of it's, Yes, there's high school, a few high school commits out there that are still deciding, but college coaches have basically merged that with the portal now in February. And like, so even though Nebraska may only sign one guy, um, you kind of think about like Marquis Step and Toure and um, Kalarovich within that too. I, I think that all kind of blends together now. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's completely fair. And, and, I do think that the early signing period is going to uh, continue to be more and more popular amongst these coaches because you, you want to know sort of what your numbers are. And, and Bud Elliott in the 24-7 Sports Network had a story a week or so ago about how uh, teams that are really kind of leaving spots open and Oklahoma only signed 16 players in December, and that's allowed them to be very aggressive in the transfer portal. And, of course, they're a destination for, for these pretty good players that – you know, they want to get out of a Tennessee, they're going to look at Oklahoma and that's a, you know, pretty much a, a playoff contender year in and year out at this point. And so I, I think that we're just going to continue to see uh, teams kind of evolve their strategy a little bit, continue to highlight December, continue to highlight getting those guys early to campus and then try to leave a few spots on the back end to see what's there in the portal. And I, I think that Nebraska is in a little bit of a precarious spot because to me, for a program like Nebraska, the portal represents more fool's gold than it actually represents guys that are likely to help you turn your program in the right direction. You can get a few players in there, but if you try to leave as many spots as Oklahoma does, you're going like, to end up with guys that don't end up doing anything for you. It's the same sort of a concept that the junior college thing was a few years ago where everyone was so mad that Mike Riley wasn't going into the junior college ranks. There might be a guy or two that can really help you, but the best players still end up at the best schools. In the transfer portal, the best players are still picking the best schools. And so it's a, it's a difficult thing to, to kind of understand is that they still have to be really diligent, in my opinion. They still have to be really diligent in, in trying to get those developmental high school guys because that's ultimately where this thing is going to swing. I mean, they're, they're going to need the top-end talent when they can get it. They need that to develop and they need that to be great, but it's the Cam Taylor Brits and those kinds of finds that are going to help push Nebraska over the end. I mean, it's just, they're not going to be able to do it by building half their class in the transfer portal. Illinois tried and it got them one bowl appearance and has, we'll see where Brett Bielema is able to take it, but I doubt he goes with that same strategy. Yeah. If they, if they're going to add a couple more from the portal, um, and you laid out all the points why it's difficult, but they've got to me to be guys who actually already have an established resume of some sort. Um, like they've, like they have so far, like I like the transfers they've added to this point. 
because when you look at like Kalarovic, he's got like 144 tackles. Ture had 1,495 yards, and Step has shown he can at least he's got to show he can stay healthy. But you know, against like Notre Dame, he had like an 80 yard day. So he's a guy who's played in some big games. So I like that those type of guys that they have. But as you mentioned, those can be few and far between. And then you start to get to the part of the barrel where um, they're guys who you know, they flamed out after a season or two somewhere and it's not exactly sure why they did. And they don't really have the data that they are a good college player. It's just all based off high school stuff. Those are the guys I really worry about uh, for a program like Nebraska. I don't think you can take a ton of chances on those guys. Yeah. If anything, it's, it's more of like a, like I, I agree with Schaefer that, you know, you, you do kind of have to – a program like Nebraska has to be able to, to develop guys. You know, what the value in the portal to me is is basically forming a bridge in some ways and buying those guys time to develop. And that's kind of that's kind of where Nebraska is in large part because they haven't kept guys around long enough to develop them. So, I mean, that's why, you know, you, you have to go get a, a Samori Ture um Klarevic maybe less so with with Will Honus coming back but I mean that that's where I think there can be value and I think that's where you know program like Nebraska you can go through spring ball you can kind of see you know where things are at with guys development wise you can have a better sense of whether guys are going to you know have a chance to, to help you or, or, or not and then if, if you need some more stopgap type guys at least now there, there's more options in there versus, you know, a couple of years ago where it seemed like it was a little bit more slim pickings trying to find guys. So, you know, you, I, I agree though. I mean, if, if you're a coveted transfer, you're probably still going to go to places that are highly ranked in the recruiting rankings every year. And, and, you know, the better teams, I still think now though, there's at least an, a chance that you can find a little bit more production and proven production in there versus, like BC said, guys that were maybe a little bit more highly thought of coming out of high school, but haven't done it at the college level for whatever reason. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't set some spots aside. It's just that it's hard for me to get into the mindset that Nebraska should only take 16 high school kids and then like eight or nine portal players, because I just don't think they're at the point as a program yet where they're that enticing to people that are in the portal. I mean, they were for Samari Toure because it's the opportunity to come potentially be a number one wide receiver they were for Marquis Step, but we also don't know what the other options were for those guys too. And so um, they've, they've done very nicely with Kalarovic and Step and Toure, and I don't want to make it seem like they haven't, but at the same time, we've seen what they've added from the portal generally after the spring too in recent years, and it hasn't been life-changing players or program-changing players. And so I, I just caution people because I think there's just this idea that you can build a program through the transfer portal and I don't think you can do that. I think you can supplement an already good program, but I think you still have to build your program with high school guys. And I, I felt that way with junior college, and I feel that way uh, now with the, the transfer portal as well. If, if I could ask you what everybody, of course, wants to know about Dickerson. And I appreciate that Avante, even though this is carried into February, he does not seem like he's put a ton of drama around it to me. I mean, it's not like he's posting all the time about this or that. He's kept it very close to the vest. What, what, what's your sense here as we head into the final hours? Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I think that you're looking um, at a situation where 
Avante might just want to pursue leaving the state of Nebraska. I, I don't know if there's that much angst either for a Nebraska fan right now because he was never committed to Nebraska. He'd been committed to Minnesota since April. There have been the rumblings since the fall, and, and Kobe Bretts and Thomas Fedoni have done as much as they could as peer recruiters. Nebraska has certainly recruited him as well, but ultimately he's got to be in a position where he wants to to go to Nebraska. And I just don't know if Nebraska's done enough to make themselves appealing. And you have this option in Oregon uh, that they're a better program right now. I, I said in the past, I think that I can see him as a pretty good fit as a defensive back in the Pac-12 where body size is a little bit different than in the Big Ten. But I think he'd play well in the Big Ten. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm spinning it as if Nebraska's uh, you know, avoiding something that would go poorly here. I think Avante Dickerson's going to play where, wherever he goes. Um, I just, for whatever reason, I don't think Nebraska's relationship was enough. And, and I think peer recruiting is really important, but you got to have that thing that brings you to Lincoln, that thing that brings you to Nebraska. And I don't know if he just wasn't able to connect with Travis Fisher in that way or with Barrett Root in that way or whatever, but um, it does seem like Nebraska is going to come up a little short uh, as we're recording this here mid-morning on Tuesday. There's also, you know, that there is kind of an old connection there with, you know, the, the, the corners coach at Oregon had been at Minnesota and left just before Dickerson committed there. Um, you, you look at the depth chart too, um, you know, in, in kind of talking to some guys in the network, corner was a huge, 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 position of need for Oregon. Um, and I, I think probably the the depth chart opens a little bit more for him there than it does at Nebraska, at least right now. I don't know if that how much that factored into it. I think a lot of it was just, like you said, relationships a little bit. Um, but that's something else, too, that, you know, I, I think that was an area that, that Oregon really needed to fill late in this, this February cycle. And uh, after he decommitted from Minnesota, I think they, they really kind of turned up the heat on him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I definitely think that's fair. So, all right. Um, Devon Townley, the other guy, it looks like that is going to go the way of Penn State. There have been a ton of discussion about him. And I thought that he would have been an interesting gift for Nebraska late in the cycle. They're always looking for outside linebacker, pass rusher talent. But it doesn't look like it's going to go their way. They're going to have these two spots available. And – we will see, you know, we're going to have plenty of time to kind of discuss what they're going to do there. Let's take a timeout. Before we get there, though, if you want VIP content, now is a great time to dive in over, I would say, the, the next day. You're going to have an opportunity to get VIP content at 60% off, and it is a, a good opportunity uh, to, to dive in at, at what we have going on at Husker 24-7. So be sure to check that out on the website right now all right when we come back we're going to talk about matt lubick sticking with nebraska and what that means ultimately for the huskers offense in 2021 this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we are back. All right. News came out yesterday. Matt Lubick intends to stay as the offensive coordinator at Nebraska. It's unclear if he was offered the actual job uh, of, of the head coaching spot at Montana state, or if he took himself out of the running or whatever, but that doesn't matter for a Nebraska fan. What matters, they have their offensive coordinator. He's staying. And with the comments that Scott Frost made a couple weeks ago, this does seem like a big deal in terms of where this offense seems to be moving and the role that Scott Frost is going to have in it. What were your, sort of your initial thoughts, Brian, uh, when this news broke yesterday? I thought more of Lubick's role as a wide receivers coach than an OC, honestly, uh, because I view what the receivers have done so far uh, under him as sort of an incomplete grade. And I'm not even saying that as a diss. It's just sort of, as you think back on it, there are some guys who are injured or not out there or developing on the fly. And it sort of went how you might guess it would have uh, when you take a, a, a step back from it. So I thought it would have been pretty disruptive for that group of guys if the coach they had for six, seven months, whatever it's been, um, since they came in the summer, suddenly he's gone. Now you have to get a new voice in here. That's meeting everybody a week before spring ball starts or whenever they figure that would have figured that out. And you got to do it all over again a little bit with the reset button. I think that would have been kind of a, a little bit of a mishap and uh, something that would have been difficult to deal with. So I, I think it's good for the wide receiver room. And also, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Frost and Lubick and the play calling duties in December and how it was more of a paired thing. And Lubick had more responsibility there on game day. And um, I, I kind of an incomplete grade there too. I want to see that go forward another year. And then we sort of put something at the top of the paper about how we feel it's going. Brunt. Does this end though with, with Jeff Fisher coaching Montana state? That, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> What about Mike Riley? Supposedly he was not in the running. He pulled no. himself out. So that maybe Jeff, the, the stash is the last man standing. That he did. This whole thing has sort of felt like Jeff Fisher is just going to dive into any opening around the country at this point. So. If you put together a football team right now, I guess I would bet even odds you could probably get him to come and coach it for you right now, like this afternoon. What if it was like a Lincoln Middle School team, like he, the Lincoln Flyer? He'll bring his own head. He'll bring his own headset. He's got a clipboard. He'll be here in, in twenty. All right. All right. Look, I I've got a Super Bowl experienced coach coaching the uh, the seventh grade team that I've I've you know fictionally put together here. I think that's okay. Jeff Fisher, if you saw it on social media over the weekend, that he took like an aerial shot where he was over Bozeman, and uh, sort of said, "Where am I?" I like to think that he wasn't like even in talks with Montana state yet, but he's just flying over the top of places and doing aerial shots, um, you know, to show, Hey, I'm interested. Look, 
and and then that starts from there. So maybe that was the beginning point. Very well. Dixie got a college coaching job these days is just tweeting photos from airplanes. <laughs> He's just over the top of uh, of city of college cities. Yes. So do you, guys, do you get the sense that with this latest kind of Lubick news that it, it just more reiterates the fact that Nebraska staff from last year is going to be Nebraska staff for 2021? I think it's, it's trending that way. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you had Travis Fisher that was kind of in the, uh, on the radar of Georgia for their DB coaches job. I don't, I don't know what's going to shake out after this next signing day. It always seems like the end of February brings a couple of surprising, uh, surprising little changes um, around college football, but it's, it seems like it's trending that way. What has UCF done? Have they hired their They haven't done anything yet. Okay. So, I mean, there's still, there's still a, a chain reaction that's out there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I would bet that it's the same staff right now, but I've, you, you learn that you got to almost make it through February before you, you say that with, without, uh, you know, pause at least. Yeah. I, uh, I learned my lesson the hard way when I did the Husker cruise. And the last thing I saw with internet connection was that Corey Raymond was going to stay at Nebraska. And the first thing I saw when we docked back after the, uh, the two days on the high seas was that Corey Raymond was leaving to go to LSU. So it was, uh, that was an exciting 48 hours that must have happened in 2012. <laughs> look at them, yeah. look at us. <laughs> the Kind of going back to the original question before I sidetrack things. D- to me, what it does, you know, in, in him staying is I, I think it allows Scott Frost to focus just a, an iota more of his attention elsewhere uh, on, on the, in, in, within the program. And, and when you kind of start talking about how Nebraska is going to handle their issues at special teams, to me, if you're not going to go get a full-time guy, I, I think Scott Frost being more involved on a personal, like organizational point of view is really important for kind of getting that thing going in the right direction because it, it, it trickles down from there because it signals, okay, this is important to this team. You know, it, it, there's an emphasis on it. You don't have the, issues um you know where where after the game you have you know people kind of saying different things about what decisions are made and and that kind of thing so I I think having Lubick and a guy that he trusts in there at that that offensive coordinator position no matter you know what his ultimate you know share of the the play calling duties are I think it it just kind of allows just that little bit of Scott Frost's attention to to go elsewhere because he can trust that you know, a guy's been around that's been in that offense and, and kind of knows what to do. Yeah, I look, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I actually spent the last couple seconds wondering if we were to quantify what exactly an iota is, how would we go about doing it? Hmm. Well, I think you, you get a container of some kind and you just start filling it. And once you, you filled it, that's an iota. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about iotas in plural form. It's always one i. They don't give one iota. There's always that. It's singular. Yeah. So I, I guess I, you know, Brunts, are you saying if you just put one thing in the container, that's the iota, or are you do you think iota is one of those words that's both singular and plural? If the one iota that you put in that container fills it, then that's an iota. Well, we don't know what an iota is before it goes in the container. 
Right. Could Iota be of any size, really? I think Iota is whatever we want it to be. For instance, mm. I'm not sure how many people give Iotas that we're having this conversation present. <laughs> doesn't doesn't Rick Patino coach at Iota? <laughs> well, <Is> it... <laughs> seriously, tough crowd, tough crowd here. <laughs> you, have you been working on these jokes with your daughter or what? Yeah, they didn't hit there either. Yeah, well, you're not as funny as what's on the television, I suppose. This is true. Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious. What do you guys have any kind of additional thoughts? Actually, I want to take it to this because I've, I've seen BC rate these a couple different times. You, you kind of have a series going at Husker 24/7 on Huskers maybe on the cusp. You just wrote about um, Isaac Gifford. You've written about Oliver Martin in the past. Who who kind of stands out for you on on that series that you've been working on? Yeah, one time I accidentally had a typo for 10 seconds and I caught it that I wrote Huskers on the Cups, and that's an entirely different thing I don't want to get into. Um, so it's important that I get that right and say cusp. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I'm trying to get these guys who uh, were sort of fringe guys last year, maybe like almost special teams players more, but you could see them um, – definitely factoring in with some defensive snaps and maybe some offensive guys too. Like the last one I wrote was about Isaac Gifford and he's a, to me, a perfect representation of what the list is about because he's a guy who played in every game last year, um, did useful things, got a few tackles, know what it's like to be on the road trips now. And I could also, I also think he'll be on Nebraska's too deep and he's a versatile guy who he can fluctuate between being a safety and a dime backer if they wanted to use him that way. And so, I mean, he's a good example. Um, there are, you know, Noah Pola Gates would fall under the same category. I think Javen Wright is a guy like that. It's sort of these guys who have been hidden behind the curtain a little bit, some because of injury um, in Javen Wright's case, that's definitely been, the situation. So uh, I'm very eager to see what he does. Um, I haven't hit yet on Will Nixon, I think on the list, but if I were to make like, ask you guys like a player who's kind of been off stage that you are most curious to see, I would, I would answer my own question with Will Nixon near the top. Cause I'm, I just want to see like if, if he brings something different to the receiver room and if he can be an immediate impact guy, is there a guy or two that comes to your guys' mind? Will, Will Nixon is one on offense for me that I'm, I'm curious to see what he can do. Um, you know, as much as losing Wandale definitely hurts. Um, he's a guy that I think could kind of slide into that role pretty easily that, you know, receiver running back, he kind of can do it, do it all. Defensively, Gifford was the one that that kind of came to mind initially. Uh, Javin Wright, I think Nebraska needs to get an idea of where he's where he's at. Um, you know, yes. I know they think highly of him over there, but they, they haven't really gotten a chance to try him out much at outside linebacker. If they try to just keep him as like a, a bigger safety or, or kind of what that means, I know he was starting to work with the outside linebackers before he got hurt, but uh, that's a guy that seems to be on the cusp, but I think Nebraska also needs to get a better idea kind of of, of where he actually is and, and how close to the, uh, to the cusp he actually is or the cups. Cusp, cusp. Um, Braxton Clark was another one I had on yeah. there. 
And that's the guy that I would have had in mind there. I, yeah, I really go. think that he could be a special player for Nebraska with that defense. And if he has um, the ability to, to kind of play that sort of power forward, physical corner type, I, I really think that could elevate Nebraska's secondary quite a bit. Blaze Gunnerson also I wrote on, and I've, I have heard some good chatter on Blaze. Uh, to, to me with him, it's just about, he needs one, one of those injury free years, you know, it feels like he's had some hiccups in his past. He's had to deal with, um, he had surgery right before he got here. Uh, so last year, uh, he was sort of learning behind the scenes, but you knew he probably wasn't going to play right away. I think he's a guy who could be a different equation this year. I'm not saying he's going to vault to the front of the line by any means. Uh, but he was one of the most intriguing recruits from the last class. And you'd like to see him take off where he's at least sort of threatening the two deep or part of it. It's, it's when a guy gets to like his third year and he just doesn't pop up in the conversation at all where I really start to, to worry. Cause then it, then he gets recruited over and then it feels like it's sort of done. So some of these guys got a little time yet, but uh, you want to at least hear their name in the spring. You know, you want a coach to, to say unsolicited something about them once or twice. I would, uh, I would like to interrupt this current conversation for a little bit of breaking news. EA Sports has just announced that college football is returning Whoa. to the video games. This is, uh, this is exciting. The last cover athlete appeared to be Denard Robinson. Uh, I don't know who the next one will be, but this is, uh, this is big news. I like it. That's, yeah, that's you, uh, you got to be in the market for a PS5 or whatever uh, the, the other one is. Yeah, I I really wanted to, to end at PS4. I didn't – and pre-pandemic, I was basically out on video games. I hadn't played in a while. And then the pandemic happened, and now, uh, you know, I, I played MLB The Show all summer, and then I got into Red Dead a little bit. Now the Omaha Racers are playing for NBA titles. It's not good. So the, the return of NCAA football is only going to continue this. Here, here's a little bit more for your, your info. Uh, on your your forthcoming game, so they are they are moving forward without rosters that include the name, images, or likenesses of real college football players. So, it, and apparently, it's not going to actually be called NCAA football. Mm. It's going to be called college football. EA Sports College Football. I wish they would. They should just name it after Bill Walsh, like they used to. So say that again. So they're not they're not going to have like uh, at, if you're playing with Nebraska, for example, the quarterback's not going to be number two. That's your top guy. They're going to just randomly do it. That's my understanding, and it might not might may not also be like some random name from Fresno, California, either. So, well, uh, I'm all, I'm curious though. Like, are they going to have the likeness of the universities? They do. Okay, they've so got. They're gonna, What's they going to happen is that the, the user community is just going to elevate one person that will have created all the rosters. They'll be dropped in and everyone will just use that. They are partnered with a, a licensing company to make sure that they have the FBS schools, the uniforms and playbooks ready to go. So they have uh, more than a hundred teams in the game. All right. Well, this, uh, this is big. This now leads to, to this question. Who would the highest rated player on Nebraska's roster be if they did use the real rosters? Hmm. 
Well, I can't tell. Well, probably Adrian, wouldn't it? Adrian would rate pretty high. I think I think it could be Doman, Cam Taylor, Britt, or Adrian. Could be any of those three. I don't think there's anybody else that it could be. This Does is tri- this is tricky because I I am totally behind the the guys benefiting off their image and name and all that stuff. And yet I know I I just feel this like if you pulled college athletes and said for this one thing if you could have a guy who replicates you but isn't exactly you on a video game, would you want that or not? I bet you would be a landslide vote yes. But, I would assume so. Does this cause yeah. the second GameStop stock rally? <laughs> is it, is it going right. to rebound? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help everyone by just ending this. <laughs> no more jokes from Michael Brunts. Uh, we'll let that was him. a serious question. That wasn't a joke. It wasn't a good question or joke. The iota joke was was gold, Jerry Gold. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we are going to end things there. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll recap whatever happens with the the signing day. Plus, we'll have some other conversations. I'm sure. In mind, as we return on Thursday, be sure to check out Husker twenty four seven over the next twenty four hours. And if anything does happen exciting on National Signing Day, we'll have all the coverage for you of it. And the Avante Dickerson decision will be carried on the 24-7 Sports Signing Day show as well. So if you want to watch that, you know where to go to find it. We will catch you on Thursday.